Hi, Matt. This is your mom. Um, I have to talk to you. I'm very, very upset at the language that I've heard on your website. I, I just, I didn't think I raised you to be that kind of boy, to use that kind of language. I just, I, what happened? What happened? I don't understand. Do you have to use the, those bad words, the, the S word and the F word? And, oh, I, I can't. Call me when you get this message, please, and please, and don't make me make you wash your mouth out with soap. Call me. Bye. Welcome to the St. Mark Show. Our first guest is the Jody Hopkins, the Catholic host, Conrad Alonso. And don't forget, Chris. from the B-52s. That may have been the worst impression we've ever had on uh, the show. <laughs> um, we've got a really crazy show. I don't have time for a monologue at all. As you heard the voicemail, my mother is very upset with me with the language that I've been using. So we are going to edit this episode a la a DMX rap song. So whenever you hear a curse, it's going to be replaced with uh, Man. or uh, what? Or, uh, so before we get into my guests, real quickly, let's check up on my brother. Let's see how Brian's doing. Let's go check up on Brian. Make us laugh, make us cry. Just figure how Brian's doing today. See if he's in a bind Maybe he's doing fine Let's be sure that Brian is okay yeah. We want to make sure that he's well If not, let's make him feel swell Let's just see how Brian is today. Make sure that everything's okay. So Brian, how are you doing today? You know, Matt, I'm not good. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Let's go check up on Brian. Make us laugh, make us cry. Just figure how Brian's doing today. See if he's in a bind. Maybe he's doing fine. Let's be sure that Brian is okay. Yeah. 
sure that he's well If not, let's make him feel swell Let's just see how Brian is today Make sure that everything's okay And we're back. Uh, next up, we have uh, Conrad Tolosa. He is one of the founding members of Goaty Hook and also runs the website decampolis.com. Uh, I've been a huge fan of him for years, and I'm very excited to have him on our segment, Skyping with the Stars. Uh, how are you doing today, Conrad? Yeah, I'm doing really good. Excited to be on. Um, so I want to I start off with uh, talking about the band Goaty Hook itself a hugely influential punk band I think and not just within the Christian music scene I meet a lot of people who aren't religious at all that love Goaty Hook specifically the first two albums um, Sumo Surprise and Banana Man which were the two that you had uh, the, the two that you were in the band for and were one of the songwriters for do you still find a lot of people contacting you specifically about Goaty Hook or has it really shifted more towards the website now um, yeah, it, it, it's been a while because I was in, uh, in the band in the, basically the mid-90s, and I left the band in 97, so, you know, it's been, you know, close to like 15 years. So, the only people that I run into that know that I'm in, that I was in Goody Hook, or even know the name Goody Hook, are, you know, if I run into, like, my kids' teachers, like, at their Christian school or their youth group pastors, because those kids, those people are, you know, like, 25-ish now, and, you know, so that, they were teenagers at the time that um, I was in the band. So, you know, kids, you know, teenagers have no idea who the band is, but people in their mid to late 20s, those are the, the ones that were, who actually listened to it. And then, so now it's, uh, uh, it, it's kind of weird because I'll only be recognized by, you know, youth group pastors or, you know, stuff like that or promoters through Goody Hook, but in, uh, over in Pennsylvania, there's a, a Christian rock festival called Purple Door, and I MC one of the stages. I've MC one of the stages for I don't know, like five or six years, and I'll actually be recognized for that, just as oh, you're the guy from the Purple Door stage. <laughs> so it's uh, it, it's kind of you know split up a little bit, and every once in a while, I'll just run into some random person, like at work, <laughs> you know, somebody was emailing me about whatever, and then it's like oh wait, were you in Goody Hook? You know, so it was just kind of kind of random but but it definitely has dropped off because i mean it's just been so long you are you are extremely good at doing the mc at purple door uh i remember the last year that i went to purple door i started to just kind of not really get into the music as well it was like newer newer bands that i wasn't really into but i would still just hang out by the hm stage and just listen to you in between bands because your banter was just so random and off the cuff um like, I just love the fact that for you, it just seemed like they threw you on stage, and you're just like, okay, I guess I got to do something for about 20 minutes. And he always Yeah, just... <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it was, because, you know, they, they had me as an MC, and, you know, I'm just there basically to introduce bands and sponsors, but I just get, uh, there's so much time in between bands that I kind of just took it on myself to really just entertain myself. <laughs> so even though, you know, MC is basically just introduce bands, to me that's just so boring, so I'll just stand up there 
and ultimately just talk and interact with the crowd and just do totally random stuff <laughs> and then get, you know, the crowd into it. And ultimately, you know, if you're not entertaining yourself, you're not entertaining anybody. So it, it's not like, you know, I get up there and you're the typical youth group guy and go, hey, how's everybody doing today? And, you know, and try to, he's excited about Jesus. You know, it's just, <laughs> I get up there and then I just start making fun of people from New Jersey. You know, just, I, it's just like, whatever comes up, then I'll kind of just go with it. And then, um, you know, even if I get hecklers, then I'll start getting, you know, I'll get them into, I'll start playing along with their stuff. And, you know, just self-deprecating humor, just whatever comes up. And it, it really is a lot of fun. And it's just kind of funny how, you know, in the central Pennsylvania area, I'll go to McDonald's, and that's how I'll be recognized. They won't even know my name. They just know me as that, basically that random guy on the stage who just basically wastes time. Um, now, I don't, you probably don't remember this at all, but maybe, I would say about four years ago, I was trying to shoot a documentary about Christian music. And I okay. booked you for an interview at Purple Door, <clears throat> at Purple Door, and we did an interview. And you actually started talking about the Christian music scene, uh, especially its move towards heavy metal. And one of your comments made your geek colors shine so brightly, because you described the lead singers of the band as sounding like a combination of Cookie Monster and Cobra Commander. Which yeah. was such a brilliant comparison that I've never heard anyone else make that comparison before but it's the best way to describe it <laughs> and that's yeah. essentially why i stopped going to purple door after a while was because that was 99 percent of the bands that were there one year and i was just like no i'm kind of done with this but uh you were talking about how you know you you're not the regular youth pastor up there like hey who's excited for jesus and stuff like that i'm not a super religious person anymore i kind of had a falling out of religion but I still read the campus every day, and I think the reason is because you do these devotionals that are very easily accessible, and they're really down to earth. And in a certain way, my my problem with religion has a lot to do with church, and not so much the actual religion. And right, yeah. And what you do is, you know, you take the Bible, which I I've read and I I enjoy it, and I believe in a lot of it. But you take the Bible and you put it into basically just how to be a good person and using that as like a guide to it, which I think a lot of people forget about. And you make it fun. You have your like Star Trek references and your Star Wars references, and you really bring a much more down-to-earth way of ministry on that site that I think anybody can enjoy, not just a religious person. Um, right. Now... Yeah. It, it, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I think a lot of that has to do with, for a while, DeCampolis was basically just your blog. <laughs> and then it kind of turned into right, something yeah. bigger. Um, it was, was that always the intent when you started DeCampolis, or was it after a while you're like, you know what, mate, I think I can do something more with this? DeCampolis always, well, really, it started off when I was in Goody Hook, and actually all the way on, everyone remembers the advent of AOL, um, AOL actually used to have, you know, message boards on them. And uh, it kind of just, you know, interacting with fans or whatever. And then it kind of progressed to the point where I was answering a bunch of spiritual questions over and over. And then I was like, well, this is kind of, you know, why, why don't I just have a repository for all this stuff? So ultimately, Decapolis, you know, that's 
always at its heart was answering people's spiritual questions. You know, Christians or non-Christians, it didn't matter, um, because I had, you know, seminary training, like all that stuff, and, you know, it's just something that I've always really enjoyed. It's, uh, you know, theology and all that. And it's just something that, you know, people kind of just make really difficult when it really comes down to a few basic things. And um, so uh, that's really ultimately the way it's always been. And because I was in, you know, in the band that was, you know, popular in the Christian rock industry, and I kind of had, you know, like minor celebrity status with that, I kind of would be able to have a little bit of, you know, sway in the industry where I could get, you know, music reviews, all that stuff. So for a while there, the the um, the the music, I mean the the website um, revolved around music. Even though I was doing all the spiritual stuff, I thought, well, no, re- re- totally realized that no one is going to go to a website just for spiritual stuff, uh, you know, for the most part. And then, uh, so I actually had to do some on hits because you know we had tons of reviews and you know everyone was setting up their stuff. But then it's just you know other. Uh, websites came along and started doing it better, and they're like, well, do I really need to be doing that, that stuff? And, you know, so now it's, I'm really just focusing on, you know, basically answering spiritual questions, but in the form of devotionals, you know, something that's really self-contained and really short and something, you know, fun to read, and um, in, in, in a way that is completely accessible and applicable, and there's, there's just a lot of stuff, even, you know, when you go to church, and, you know, some whatever pastor or whoever has some sort of sermon, you know, they, they come up with this great idea, and ultimately it comes down to Jesus loves you, be a good person, whatever. But, you know, it's, you have to know how to do it, and it's like, oh, well, this, this is great. Yeah, I'm supposed to, you know, love my enemies, whatever. But what does that mean in real life? So that, you know, what what I do is I just try to make it applicable to, like, okay, well, everybody, their very first, you know, community basically is their family. So if you can't do this stuff within your family, then, you know, you're going to have a hard time, you know, ministering to, you know, other people in need, whatever. But, you know, I always just try to make it about the application of it. And I, and I, uh, I hit every, like, I hit the everyday type of stuff, you know, running into a red light or being annoyed at your boss or being annoyed at your girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse, whatever. And I, I just try to take some of these things and some of the biblical things and boil them down to the everyday and then make it where people actually know what it means. Because when, you know, when people go around saying, ultimately, Jesus loves you and, you know, love your enemies, that all sounds great, but it's so easy just to kind of forget it and not know how to, uh, how to apply it, especially all the millions of Bible verses. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you're supposed to walk by God's word. Well, what does that mean? You know, I just spoke to a bunch of kids on uh, a couple Wednesdays ago. At um, my kids, they go to a uh, a Christian school, and I was there for chapel. And you know, everyone knows, oh, you're supposed to walk by faith. So the very first thing I say is, well, okay, somebody tell me how to walk by faith. You know, and I, I just get a bunch of blank stares. And that's the type of stuff that I really try to try to you know try to attack is all these things that everyone's heard from so long from, you know, since they were little, oh, all I had to do is, you know, walk by God's Word and live by faith. But nobody actually knows what that actually means. And so that that's the type of stuff that I really, really want to, that, that I break down to its, you know, everyday components so that as soon as, you know, you listen to something like that or read it, then hopefully you, 
hopefully while you're listening, you go, oh, I can use it with this, this, and this when my mom yells at me for this or, you know, I, I, I get a flat tire or, you know, whatever. So ultimately, that's, that's what I try to do with the Kaplan. And it, it's it's good. I, I mean, like I said, I still visit it, and and it is always a good read. I miss the uh, I do kind of miss the blog atmosphere of like the early days of Decapolis. A couple, like I would say, five six years ago, when one of my favorite things that you've ever done on that website, and I don't even think I can find it in the archives anymore, but there was an ongoing saga about a bird that got stuck in the hood of your car. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you just—it was like every day you'd update it with pictures of the bird and like trying to figure out like you refused to take it off because you were convinced that it would eventually just blow off the the front of the car. Yeah. It, it was so—it was the most entertaining thing I've ever read, and I would just show it to people on like a daily basis. I'd be like, "Oh my god, you got to read this." Um, yeah, I'm actually trying to. Uh, in a way, I, I try to do that with with the devotional now because it was, I kind of had a standalone, you know, stuff, but I actually am trying to work. I'm just, I've been trying to figure out how to work that stuff back into it. Uh, because really I had this huge lack of, um, just, I, I just didn't have enough spiritual stuff that just covered everything. What is worship? You know, that's, you know, like that's a nine parter there. What is faith? You know, that's like a six parter. And I just had to go through a million things, over like the past year and a half, where you know I would I would try to write three a week, and that that's like two or three hours just writing one, and so that was you know with my schedule and stuff that was you know, really difficult. So you know I kind of replaced for a while um, the blog stuff with you know just having a repository of this stuff because ultimately my goal is to have with the devotionals is to have 365 days of these things, so I can get you know basically combine it and give it you know, whoever wants to use it can use it as their daily devotional, you know, 40 years after I'm dead. Because um, it occurred to me, I was going through, um, there's a super, super popular um, devotional called My Utmost First Highest. And um, it's, you know, it's written by Oswald Chambers, and it was, I don't know, late 1800s, early 1900s, and everybody uses it. And so I was like, oh, well, we'll use, I'll use this for my, you know, my family devotions. And then I would read it, and it's like it was so it was so unusable, really, because it was basically the stuff that you always hear. It's like here's some story, Jesus loves you, you know, or here's some story, be good, and, and it just it was so there was no application, you know, you you really had to come up with your own application, and you had to jump from some analogy to how how in the world are you going to actually use it in everyday life? So that is actually kind of my ultimate goal. And so that's for a while, for like a year and a half, where I was just, I was really pumping out the devotionals. And then now I'm at the point where I, you know, I have about 120 of them. And now I, you know, I went back and, you know, I'm kind of like killing myself for the, for, you know, doing so many. So now I'm like kind of going back so I can kind of give myself a little bit of a break by um, writing a few new ones, but then going back and reposting the old ones, but editing them and then making them better, and then realizing that, oh, okay, this is really poorly worded, or, you know, this joke is just terrible, and, you know, and just trying to make it a little bit more usable. And then, you know, then still trying to get to the, the site to where, you know, ultimately I have five updates a week, one every day, 
and then you know I'm slowly starting to work the work the the blog stuff in, but right now it's actually I kind of like this almost like Twitter jokes, <laughs> you know, where um, that, that's pretty much what the, what I have time for. Um, so now it's kind of like compressed. So I'm kind of like trying to figure out the right balance because I have the devotional stuff, which I really want to spend time on. But at the same time with the blog stuff, I know that that's fun to read. Um, I just need to come up with a good way where I can have that, you know, where I'm spending time on both of them, but I'm not killing myself to write a blog, which ultimately 40 years down the road isn't really going to help me. But, you know, right now it actually does because it does help keep people interested. Because I, I fully know, well know that, there's hardly anybody that goes online to go, oh, I want to read a devotional. You know, <laughs> I want to grow closer to God. And let me type into Google and say, you know, awesome devotional. That's funny. You know, it's so um, I, I, I'm trying to, you know, strike a balance with it by having the the bloggy type stuff with, you know, the time that I spend on spend on the on the devotionals. Yeah, you're kind of the reason why I started watching American Idol for a while because you used to always do those daily updates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and man, I totally wish I could do that. Um, it's just the amount of time spent because, it, man, especially that stuff, it's so it's so easy. I mean, it's just like people, you know, somebody's just out there trying to make it easy on me to comment and uh, be sarcastic with stuff because so, there's so much stuff that's bad. And not only bad, it's just bad ideas. Like people have no idea what they're doing when they pick a song or do this or that. And uh, it's just, it's so easy to make fun of. I lost so but, many Twitter you know, followers because I would live tweet American Idol after a while. Yeah. And, and apparently people don't care if I have funny comments about how awful someone's doing. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's the, I think that's one of the biggest appeals of something like Twitter. Twitter is the only thing that makes watching an award show bearable to me anymore. It's just like sitting there yeah. and following comedians and listening to what they have to say about how bad the award show is. Yeah, and I have to admit, I'm like a really, really latecomer to Twitter, and I really haven't been able to figure out how to use it well, you know, and really, I, the way that I've been looking at it, basically, is an RSS feed, you know, that's how I, you know, how I looked at it for forever, and then I realized, okay, well, you know what, I can't just have, you know, my updates from Decapolis showing up on the Twitter feed, because then it just says, oh, what is faith, part four, you know, and then some... <laughs> Some link, and so I kind of have to kind of make it interesting so people will want to click on it. So I'm, I'm and I, I really only started doing this like a couple weeks ago. So I, I'm still kind of, I'm totally far behind this thing. But you know, it's it's one of those things where it's just really it's just me trying to power all this stuff through. And you know, I have life. You know, I have a full time job. I have a family. I have a studio to run. I'm on the board at my kids' uh, school and. Um, I'm also on the board of my dad's ministry, so it's just like I have tons of stuff. And then on top of that, I'm trying to do all this decapolis stuff. So it, you know, it, you know, trying to figure out all this stuff is um, I'm a little bit behind. But you know, at the same time, it's trying to maximize what I can do with decapolis. But you know, I'm uh, some of my responsibilities. Like uh, I've, I've been on the board of Hershey Christian School for a while. And so my term is up. So when that's up, then hopefully I'll be able. Uh, my my plan is to to replace all that time that I was spending in at the you know doing school board stuff with you know devoting it to Capitalist. 
Well, I mean, Twitter did get you a, onto a podcast, so that's a start. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, but, you know, my Decapolis, you know, Twitter followers has been at 82 forever. And, you know, just before that, it was at 77 for, I don't know, three months. You know, so it's just, it's not moving. And I haven't figured out what I'm supposed to do. And, yeah, you know, but I'm also, I'm always constantly trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do and just trying to figure out how do I get more readers and, you know. Uh, I don't know. I'm stuck. I, I've discovered just being yourself on there and just doing whatever helps. Because um, mm-hmm. you do, like, I, I realized the same thing. You realized that I was, for for a little while, every other tweet was like, read this article that I wrote, you know, listen to this podcast that I was on. And you need, like, once I started to mix it up with, like, content and jokes and, and things that would make people actually want to read what I had to say it makes them more interested to click your links as well. Right. And I think that I, I, you were just saying that about what you're trying to do as well. I mean, it does help. If people want to be entertained, they don't want to read about what food you're having for lunch like some people use Twitter for. Right. <laughs> and I, I don't understand the four square thing that's going on, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and that's ultimately the problem I have too with, you know, with devotionals because it's you, the whole term isn't entertaining. You know, no one wants, everyone goes on the internet to be entertained. They're, they're not going there to improve their spiritual lives. So it's kind of like I have a product that people don't really want. So, it, it, I, you know, it, I don't really want to sucker people into, you know, coming to my site by having this other stuff. But I'm just hoping that, you know, through, through having just making it fun and just kind of being a little bit more focused on my my audience that, well, hopefully people who believe in, you know, my tagline is faith, culture, sarcasm, that people will go, oh, I'm sarcastic and I'll enjoy that. (laughs) Uh, I do want to real quickly touch upon one last thing that I wanted to talk to you about, Uh, going back to Goatee Hook and, you know, now you're doing Dive Bomber, which is basically the punk rock Partridge family. Um, what, What do you think about the term... Christian Christian music because uh, I've been noticing throughout for, for like 10 years you know a lot of the bands that I really loved in the music scene uh, you know Reliant K MXPX Five Iron Frenzy all were bands that really just did not want that title they wanted to just be seen as a band and I, I feel like that's a really common feeling amongst mu- musicians in that industry uh why do you why do you suppose that is well the the first thing is there is no definition for christian rock you know there is no different there's no there's no definition of like punk rock you know like everyone has their own definition so it's so hard to be a part of something or being or not be a part of something because you know to you know instead of using christian rock let's use punk rock well what does punk rock mean it doesn't mean you know fast speech with you know remote accords or is punk a philosophy you know, so it's it's the same thing that people had. You know, the difficulties that people said with, "Oh, you're not punk rock because your band doesn't stand up for this," or "You're not, you know, this or that." It's the same thing with Christian music in general because there is no there is no definition of what it is. Because some people mean uh, have Christian music mean that oh they're they're evangelistic type band or they're a worship type band, and then other people mean oh we're we're Christians in a band, and that's how I've seen a million you know 
you know, the cooler bands, they always say, oh, we're Christians in a band. So the way that I get away, uh, get away from all that and kind of just um, state it for myself, there's a little bit of an echo. Can, can we turn that down or something? Yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, so what, what I do is just, um, I just say Christian artists. So, you know, having a Christian artist, that transcends genre, and it's just like, oh, it's just like saying female artist or male artist or, you know, something like that. And then you kind of get away from all that. Or, you know, you can also use the term Christian market artist. And that's really where I think a lot of bands really wanted to stay away from by not saying, hey, don't call us a you know, Christian band, because they didn't want to just be limited to the Christian market. So there, the term that people should be using is, oh, are you a Christian market artist? So it always just came down to definition. And so I really, you know, I, I could, I empathize with everyone who's always had to deal with that stigma and, you know, what, what some people think is a stigma because it kind of, you always, it kind of limits you in a bunch of different ways where, you know, a church will uh, uh, think that it means one thing, that you're a, a preachy band, and then, you know, uh, general market people will, are going to think it's something totally different. And then, it's, and kids are going to think it's totally different, and Christian parents are going to think it's different. So it, it's just one of those things that, because there is no unified definition, it always just created all these problems. So, you know, for me, I just... I really, we we dealt with that too, and we you know we kind of came at it. Hey, we're Christians in a band or whatever. But you know, looking back on it now, it's it really is just hey, we're Christian artists, and you know, take it for what it's worth. And every Christian artist still wants their music to be heard by whatever. But when you say Christian artist, that doesn't necessarily mean that what you're doing is you know saying Jesus, Jesus, Jesus every single time. You could be a Christian artist that sings about you know hippopotamuses. You know, so, you know, that's a topic close to my heart. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. So, like me, you know, you're, you're mentioning that I'm in a, in basically a partridge fam- punk, rock, punk rock partridge family with my family here. You know, so, yeah, I'm a Christian artist, and I, if people can take that for whatever it's worth, you know, and, but I, the, the songs that I write, you know, I just write, you know, stupid songs about, you know, robots and whatever. And so if you just kind of say Christian artist, it it kind of makes it, it makes the definition a little bit looser. And then it's not like you're forced into, oh, you're a Christian band. And then that means that, I don't know, even my explanation is all over the place just because there is no definition. So it, it just really comes down to that. The lack of definition just creates problems for everybody. And then, so it causes some people to run away from it because, it means the wrong things to a bunch of people. Uh, yeah, it's something that just recently kind of came back to me, um, having recently watched the the Five Iron Frenzy documentary that came out last year, which is, if, if any of my listeners haven't seen it, whether you've heard of Five Iron Frenzy or not, it's just an incredibly interesting documentary to see. Um, just kind of about a band that, that didn't fit in in either area. For whatever reason, <laughs> they were they were too preachy for mainstream and not preachy enough for Christian rock. So it was it, it's such an intriguing documentary. Um, but thank you for coming by, Conrad. Um, 
It was great having you. Everyone go check out thecampalist.com. It really is some some of the best work in devotionals and and just combining pop culture with religion in a way that I think more people should look at. Yeah, so if anybody out there is into Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever, and has a little bit of faith and you know, in you and a little bit curious about stuff, that's kinda of what I hit in a in just everyday language and you know, so if you're a little bit curious, just stop by and hope you like it. Hey, thanks. We'll be back after this commercial break. Hello, my name is Tommy Avaloni, producer of the upcoming movie Calendar Girl. Now, I'm sure the two or three people listening to this podcast want to find out what is Calendar Girl. Well, you could go to CalendarGirlTheMovie.com or check us out at the Philadelphia Cinefest. We're world premiering Calendar Girl uh, at the Cinefest Friday, no wait, Monday... The 11th of April. Come check it out. We're on Facebook too. Find us when you're not when you're not listening to this podcast. Good luck, Saint Morg. It's Tommy Avaloni. All right. That was like 40. Yeah, it's fine. It doesn't matter. You know, I keep all this in there too. Want to redo it? No, no. Calendargirlthemovie.com. Booyah! All right, we're back with Chris Pierre Domenico from NewNuma.com. And uh, do you still do filigapi? I still do filigapi, yes, seven uh, years. All right, now you've been actually a longtime friend of mine uh, from, I believe, like seventh grade. Yeah. Sixth or seventh grade. Uh, and you've always uh, been, well, no, you haven't always wanted to be a filmmaker. You wanted to be a filmmaker because I wanted to be a filmmaker, but you were far more successful at it than I am so far, and I've always hated you for it. It, it is pretty <laughs> hilariously ironic. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what you've been doing, what's, what's coming up. Well, the main project I've been working on is a TV pilot called Game Over, and it actually involves about six Sun Valley High School alum, which is really awesome. It's just kind of coincidence. It wasn't really planned that way. And it is a half-hour pilot about uh, guys that work in a video game store. It's sort of a cross between Clerks and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And um, the creator of the series is Dave Bullis. He's a friend of mine from high school. Um, and I was asked to come on as a producer. Um at the end of last year, and I, I didn't realize how, how big it would become. We're actually we become the first TV pilot to be shot at the New Sun Center Studios, in, right here in Aston. So it's very very exciting. Um, we we had met Jeff Rotwit, um, who who owns the Sun Center at a party in Philadelphia, and, and he was very friendly to us, and he he really uh, helped us out a lot. Well, that's exciting, and. Um... You know, from what I can tell, it looks like there's a little bit of interest going there, at least. I mean, I saw that you did the Indiegogo. Yeah, Indiegogo.com slash game dash over. Which will probably be down by the time that this airs in April. <laughs> we'll probably have a new one. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I checked the other day, and, you know, it looked like you guys had like six, seven, eight hundred dollars almost. And, you know, that's more money than I've ever had anyone give me for a movie, so... Yeah, it doing is doing something right. It, it it is very exciting. Um, we we have to get a lot higher than that. Um, so we're we're going. We have different marketing campaigns that we're putting into place, and we're with all of us having different projects going on. It's, um, you know, it is it's a lot of work, but you can cut some of this out. <laughs> um, Don't tell me how to edit my. 
<laughs> yes, I will. No. It's going to stay in all this conversation. All I don't edit. Co- <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, with four producers on board, it's really making the, the workload easier, I think. Um, and we all bring a different level of experience to the table. Um, one of our producers is actually an actress from Robot Chicken. She's worked with Seth Green, has been on Deadwood, and so she has a lot of that. She brings a lot of that Hollywood here to Delaware County, and she's from Delaware County originally. She also went to Sun Valley. Uh, well, so Seth Green he didn't go to Sun Valley, but he's a Delaware County. Is he? Is he? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's a. Uh, I think he's uh, Upper Darby. Upper Darby. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So All there's right. a. I mean, we got a lot of random local celebrities. We do, yeah. Jamie yeah, Kennedy do. and Tina Fey. <laughs> um, now, you also work with uh, the new Noma. New Noma? I don't know. Numa Numa guy. Numa Numa guy. NumaNetwork.com. Well, Numa, I thought it was new Numa. Numa. <laughs> you can also access our website by going to NewNuma.com. New Numa was the name of the sequel video that came out in 06. Gotcha. And that was just the name of our, our YouTube channel, but we're we're promoting the name Numa Network. Gotcha. So it's very confusing, Chris. Yes, I I purposely created it that way. Well, that's not very good marketing. Well, I I think I know a thing or two about good marketing. You can say that, but I I, I would you better not cu- you better I not you, you better not cut this out. Oh, Kelly. Well, this is all staying in here. <laughs> I've had more famous people on my show. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the chick from Pink Flamingos? No. <laughs> um, so, okay. Uh, uh, I wish they could see this. Yeah, for the 30 people that listen to it, they're like, he did get the guy from Pink Flamingos. <laughs> <laughs> but he couldn't get the Numa guy. They couldn't get the Numa guy, yeah. Um, so what are – is the Numa network just the Numa Numa guy? It, it is not just a Numa Numa guy. Uh, Gary is the icon of the channel, and we always want to have Gary involved. No, Gary is... Gary is the Numa Numa guy. <laughs> Gary Burisma is the Numa Numa guy. <clears throat> um, but no, what we aim to do is we're a distributor for various production companies around the country. Like We have a production company in Washington State. We have one in New York City, one in Minnesota, one in Jersey. And um, really, it's... Uh, used as a way to promote independent filmmakers, which is which is really kind of cool um, because we, we have an audience of 53,000 subscribers, getting close to that 54K mark, and it just gives them a new audience, gives them more exposure. And, you know, we as a thanks for producing content for us, we'd like to promote them. Now, what now do you is it just kind of one shot videos or do you also have like a regular like regular series on the show? We have uh, we have one series that's sort of starting out. Uh, the way it started, Newman Network before I was even involved, it was just just series. Um, but since then, um, we for founding that formula didn't really work for getting as many views as we would like. So we started doing the one off videos. But we're we're looking to now getting to a mixture of both. Um, but probably mainly one-off videos. What's the uh, current series? The current series is Dr. Oblio Does Science, and it's just this young scientist guy that uh, has these crazy inventions. It's by Team Awesome Seattle. 
um, from naturally Seattle. And um, yeah, the uh, production quality is amazing. They're really funny bits. Uh, the, the first one we did, the first one that, that's of, it's called Cooking with Ray Guns. And so he actually, Dr. Blue has built a ray gun that you can actually cook with. Now, you used to have a show on there, I believe, called Undercover Geek. Is that true? <laughs> Uh, I was a different Numa Network. <laughs> <laughs> Undercover Geek was the pilot that I made for the Numa Network that they felt wasn't funny enough. So. I, all right. In, in, in all seriousness, I, I thought it was really good. I just really wanted to piss Matt off. <laughs> it worked. I got to write this awesome blog. And I called him Satan. <laughs> Can you put a link to it? Like, oh, on this my page? God. That yeah. is my favorite that i've ever written and that was probably my favorite response to a blog i've ever written but then i yeah you'll have to i'll, I'll make sure that you know if you go to st mort blog or st mort.blogspot.com you can read all my blog entries and this was about a year ago almost yeah um, yeah about a year ago but well, yeah basically <laughs> i wrote an entire blog entry that was completely false in every way shape or form that involved the Numa Network turning into Satan himself and me killing Satan and saving the world of independent filmmaking. Yes. How's and, that going for you? And you wrote back, that blog was very funny if only your pilot was as funny. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a great comeback, I have to admit. And then I turned it into a sequel to this story about how I had to go and kill you yet again. Uh, and there was no response to that, so I took no. that as a victory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, what was funny about that whole thing was I, I think, like, there we weren't so much mad at each other as we were, like, our egos getting inflated. Oh, and absolutely. Just, just, I think we were both extremely amused by it, and I think that was great. Well, and that's the thing, like, I was, I was definitely upset. Like, I was like, who the what? fuck is he to say what's funny? You know, like, you know, his stuff, his what? shit ain't so great. <laughs> so, like, so, and then I just came up with this really funny idea of, like, writing this overly egomatic blog entry that made it sound like I was so sure that this was the, like, most groundbreaking concept ever. And it was just a guy interviewing people in costumes at a convention center, which I still want to keep doing eventually. But it was just such a like a lame duck idea that was just kind of like a funny little thing. And I was like, just to blow it out of proportion, that it was just like me fighting this evil conglomerate. <laughs> and like that, that in itself is funny because you guys are so far from like a conglomerate. Like, yeah. Uh, you know. Like I literally use the words conglomerate, conglomerate when describing you. <laughs> like it's a group of guys working at their computers to put people's videos online. Like I was like, wow, he thinks that we're a conglomerate. It's, wor I'm it's sure, working. Yeah, I'm sure it's it your ego. You're like, he thinks that we're important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was a lot of fun. I remember telling my friends, and they're like, oh, Crispy, that is so like you and Matt. <laughs> well, I remember when it first happened, a mutual friend of ours, Dennis, was like, I don't know. I think you're going to hurt Crispy's feelings for that. I don't <laughs> he, think... he was the one that told me about yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I don't know if he's going to take that very kindly. So when I got your message, at first I was like, oh, shit. Man. <laughs> like, like, I was like, oh, no. And I I actually legitimately asked Dennis if he had told you to send the text that you sent. Yeah. Because I thought it was too creative for you. <laughs> like, and like this is the funniest thing is that this has always been our relationship. It has. Is it that has. we have always just crapped on each other's work, and in like 
the slightest way, like still praising it, like, oh, that was a pretty good script for something so what? shitty. <laughs> Are you sure you had to leave out things on this? Uh, I, well, yeah, I, maybe my mom has a point. If we had a curse jar, curse jar, she would have made a lot of money today. You, you probably would have had a better career. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, no, and I, I, I mean, let's talk about some of the stuff we used to do. You did a bunch of independent movies, which I'm sure you're proud of still, <laughs> but I think even you, like, watch it five years later going, oh, this is awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, absolutely. Why did, I, why did I keep subjecting people to watching this all the time? Yes, yes. Um, I mean, our first... I, I think the, the best, the proudest film I ever did was Destiny, which was two years ago, and that was... I think production quality wise and story wise, the best. I kind of enjoy opaque. I don't kind of, love yeah. opaque. Christian's just like right. Christian's a nightmare to watch. It, it is, and it's I painful. think I think you being older now also see that that was like beyond the fact that it was like painfully written. It was just like driving this message so hard. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. That it, it just was. alienates everyone. Like. Instead of doing what I think you intended it to do, which was send a message about Christianity to non-Christians, I think you alienated every non-Christian that ever watched it. Well, I mean that was that was pretty much the point. Yeah, uh, and like... I was I was successful in that. No, um, I, <laughs> I uh, we are actually doing a uh, short film sequel to Christian uh, this year. You've been talking about that for is that the no it's, it's called Virginity Not Guaranteed, yeah, um, or VNG. As, yeah, you, know. you sent me the original script for that in like 2004. No, it was 2007. 2007. 2007 I, yeah, I feel like it was longer um, than that. But yeah, it's been you've been trying to get that one made for a while. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that so it's been about four years. And I mean, I, I was in school for a lot of the time, and I I was doing a lot of different projects. But I mean, I'm to the point now where I'm done school. I I have I can make my own schedule. I'm like I really just want to do this. I want to bring back the original cast get it made and um you know we had a script reading for it i've revised the script i added to it changed a lot of things and we had a really good script reading about a month ago with uh brian trout julie murphy and um uh, wolf bailey who are, who are the stars of the film and what i it's funny i, I keep when we meet up i'm like guys i'm really sorry i made you say that stuff yeah, you know, in high school, because the dialogue was painful. But I, what I, the short film was very exciting because it, it takes like the best parts of those characters and it, it kind of adds to it the experience I've gained over the last seven years. Uh, just a funny story. Uh, Jeff Shropshire, who appears on the show every once in a while, just recently moved, and he called me and he's like, "I found a copy of Opaque when I was moving." <laughs> and I was, was like, "That was a better one." And I was like, "Did you watch?" He's like, "Of course, I didn't watch it." Like he's. <laughs> It's got uh, Matt Kelly in yeah, it. Yeah, well, no. I actually didn't hate Opaque completely. I still don't like Opaque because it's still, I mean, I think you can even admit it suffers still a lot of that, like, brand new filmmaker. It does, yeah. Problems. But I feel like the jokes hit a little bit better. It's definitely not nearly as preachy as before. Um, and I think one of the problems, and I, and I still say this, and I think you can, I, I don't think I'm being offensive when I say this. Because you're the kind of religious guy that you are and you don't really like to put language and stuff, it made it really difficult to do a film about racism without any racial slurs. And I think that definitely holds the film back a little bit. But that wasn't even so much you. I remember that that was, you know, you were making this for the school and the school requested uh, right, that you yeah. not have that stuff in there. And I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the biggest problems in the movie is that, 
you're trying to make a statement about racism without actually having anyone who's painfully racist they just have stereotypes they do i mean they have they have no one's blatantly i mean we do have a couple racial slurs in there and i believe the school said that it was okay if it was done in context but i being in the position i was i didn't feel totally comfortable putting that out there hey this is by me um so it it was it was a weird line for me because I i was stepping out of my box and i'm like who am i to talk about racial yeah. injustice like i i had no experience, experience with that at all so yeah. i kind of i i kind of used that in the beginning with with the randy character where he's a character that has never experienced racism before so i i had to put myself in there somewhere and it was really through randy and i like um the the only other memory i have and i'm sure this was like a nightmare for you and i feel bad but there was the one night that you had a bunch of people over for a script reading and shrop and i came over and you had this in the in the in the making of clerks documentary they use a phrase of a bible of a script but this was legitimately a bible of a script that script was like <laughs> 200 pages long like there was no way that this movie wasn't going to be as long as titanic and jeff and i just sat there and just we weren't silent, and I'm sorry. I do apologize. Was that um? That was when we didn't even finish the script reading. We were at your house. I remember we were at your house for like four hours. There was like yeah. twelve of us in this room, no air conditioner, no fan, in like the middle of summer. So like we were all just like dying, and every like page, Shrop and I had a different joke that we wanted to put in there. A couple of them I actually remember adding because yeah. they were funny. Um, <laughs> no, that was R.A. That was R.A. the movie. That that never got made. Yeah. It um, almost became a TV pilot, though. It did. It did. I think we shot some of it. but I was it, there it, for the first day of shooting. You were there. Because yeah. I was supposed to do a part, and then... We ran out of time. We, we spent, like, ten hours in one room filming the same conversation yeah that that was i think that could have been better thought out on my end and i I, i'm kind of glad that didn't go anywhere because i I realized the only reason that idea was interesting at all to me is because i was an ra at the time and when i left that job i'm like this is boring you know (laughs) this is not exciting um so i don't know i mean it might come back in some incarnation i I know there was a kind of a sub story with the with the gamers with mitch and nate where they go that was the part that i found even more humorous but i also know that those characters can't really carry a film they're definitely more of a side character sideshow yeah i i would like to do something with a concept like that in a feature length film probably probably pulling from that that script just that part of it but you know we'll see so many i mean the other thing is and this is something that you and i both eventually had to learn high school into college and and on was like the those movies had characters like Volpe Man that was just such like an inside joke. Yeah, that yeah. it just it was only funny to like that special group of people. And it, who it were was there a special for, group of people <laughs> for for like the creation of that joke. Yeah, and like anybody else who watches, just like I don't get it. He he's a superhero now. Like, <laughs> just you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that. You know, from what I can see with the stuff that you're doing, you are staying away from that. You're you're trying to reach a, a more mainstream audience, and I think that's that's best for you because you are someone who, you know, even at your worst, uh, you're someone who's just so friendly that people want to support you regardless. Uh, like even when Christian came out, you know, like as much as I crapped on it as your friend, I still really supported it because you went out and you did it. I mean, you did something more than I could do. 
And uh, I think all my listeners should should go and help support Game Over. They should, you know, check out the Newman Network and really, you know, help you out with your career. Um, because you you put in a lot more effort than I have recently. So, <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate I, I've that. just Thank kind you. of you know. This show is as personal about me as it is about the interviewees, and it's fun when I get to sit down and talk to a friend because, you know, I, I had a long period of time where I was just done with it. And, like, I still wanted to do it, but I was just like, I don't I don't want to sit down and write. I don't want to – I just got nothing. Like, I'm finally kind of getting motivated back into to doing some stuff. So we'll see what happens. But I know you've been there the whole time kind of saying, like, look, you know what to – you. You've got the talent. Just do it. Like screaming, <laughs> screaming behind my laptop. Just do it. The damn thing. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I mean, but no, no. You're very talented, Matt. And I, I think that if, if you uh, if, if you really see through something, see something all the way through, I think you'll see something that's very successful. We'll see. Describing the moon's been written for like seven years now. Something like that. Yeah. It started off as evaporated. And then yeah, yeah, that was in high school. That yeah. was like the same time we did Christian. You were talking about that. But it's still that, so. the same script. It's still like it's changed. Yeah. greatly but it's still the same characters and beats um well thank you for coming by where can people check out uh information about game over just in case the indigo goes down by uh now? gameoverseries.com um that will also link you directly to the indiegogo site um and there's also I've, i forgot to mention there's a lot of great uh incentives you can win prizes based on how much you donate so uh, go go check out the site and, and see what it is uh, you know we're giving away game consoles uh dvds autographed uh props just really just cool unique stuff so check it out and also check out numanetwork.com thank you thank you june 19th mark your calendars everybody in the philadelphia region the saint mort show has got a surprise up its sleeve all right guys i don't have a musical guest this week so that you guys don't feel left out or let down instead i'm gonna perform uh this is a song i wrote about three years ago called hit single this is the last time i'm gonna listen to this song because it's stuck in my head and i sing it to myself when i try to go to bed the lyrics are so catchy and the rhythm's so sweet the only thing i think about when i go to sleep i try to be creative but instead i keep ripping off singles that get stuck in my head i can't take it i guess i'll never be a single hit maker like you watch on mtv oh no where do you go when you want to be on the radio oh no does anybody know where an amateur can get into the pros I'd really like to know Whoa, uh, oh. I wanna be the hit single that you're playing on the radio Well, the formula's simple and easy to repeat You got a catchy chorus and a topic that is kinda unique Then you tour up and down the USA Find yourself an agent and then you get radio play Have a single and tour around the globe 
packing arenas Cause everybody wants to know Your inspiration while the single's so hot But when you can't write a follow-up You know that you're gonna get dropped Won't know Where do you go when you wanna be on the radio? Oh no Does anybody know where an amateur can get into the pros? I really like to know. Whoa, oh, oh. I wanna be the hit single that you're playing on the radio. And 20 years on down the line, I'll get my royalty checks and that's just fine. A one-hit wonder I may be. But hey, that's good enough for me. Oh no, where do you go when you want to be on the radio? Oh no, does anybody know where an amateur can get into the pros? single on the radio okay so that was um the pg episode of the saint mort show and you know now here's my mom uh mom there i i cleaned up my act and what do you think of it oh honey you just made me so proud um but next time if you promise not to sing on this show you can do whatever the <laughs> you want okay then so we'll be back to the old format starting in two weeks thank you Chico's Vibe, you may play us out.